Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. If you are new or new-ish to these podcasts, we have uh, three kind of branches of our podcast that, that you're welcome to subscribe to, follow along with, throw us a rating, tell your friends about it, cover everything about Michigan sports that, that really could be covered. Uh, so there's me and Steve, we get together, we're, we're, we kind of talk about the latest news. Uh, it's mostly a football slant, but as anyone who's listened in the last five months knows, there's definitely plenty of basketball coverage as well. Then there's a basketball specific show with Sam Webb and Tim McCormick. Uh, they have some great guests throughout the year and, and Tim McCormick offers a, a really, really great, I mean, he's one of the top analysts in basketball period uh former michigan player as well so he offers some great insight there and then there's the recruiting pod with sam steve bryce um and the joshes and they talk about the latest in recruiting so all of your bases get covered uh so hopefully you guys have enjoyed the growth of these podcasts and hopefully you are part of the continued growth anyways this episode is going to be about football we're going to talk Jim Harbaugh met, spoke with the Michigan team podcast, which wouldn't normally warrant a reaction podcast, but, but it's the only time he's spoken publicly since February. Uh, and even then that was, that was kind of a brief press conference offered some updates on the spring depth chart. So we'll, we'll kind of offer a little bit of gleaning on, on what, what was said and what kind of what it means and then on the back half of the episode, we'll talk about the NFL draft. Michigan has mm, somewhere between seven and, and eight, nine, maybe players who, who can get drafted. I mean, there's, there's 11 who are eligible. I would expect all 11 to get signed in some capacity. But uh, we'll talk about where we think players will get picked, who's, out gonna, who's going to outdo their, their draft pick, who... Uh, who might be a sleeper, who might get drafted higher than people are expecting right now. So we'll talk about all that. But let's start with this, this these Jim Harbaugh comments. Steve, um, I don't know where you want to start. My, my guess is the, you know, the, the, maybe the biggest, most no- newsworthy declaration was regarding A.J. Henning. Michigan saw Giles Jackson transfer to Washington and – Xavier Worthy, I guess it's not transferring. He asked out of his letter of intent and signed with Texas instead. We've talked about that already. So AJ Henning, Harbaugh penciled in as the the punt returner and kick returner. Um, something we've talked about. I mean, he has really good speed, really good elusiveness. Former top 100 recruit. Uh, showed little flashes here and there last season, but maybe didn't seemed a little bit buried on the depth chart and without, you know, kind of a conventional fall camp or a long season. 
didn't really get the the playing time that perhaps he was looking for. Your thoughts on him being the new return man? Yeah, so yeah, Harbaugh implied uh, that he would be the guy at those positions. Uh, to me, it brought like, kind of was like a sense of relief because I just don't think there's any, like he just makes so much sense. And I, I feel like it would have been almost overthinking it to put somebody else in that position, uh, particularly when, you know, he talked at length about the strides that Mike Sainer still made this spring. I'd almost say that if people would go back and listen to that pod, it was about 25 minutes worth of position breakdowns. And we've been covering Harbaugh enough to know two things. One, he's literally going to name every player on the roster at some point in the podcast, but B there is an art to where you you can kind of read between the lines a little bit and you can get a sense of who he actually was really, really impressed with almost felt like he was the praise he gave Saner still was higher than almost anybody else uh, throughout the segment. So with that in mind, it feels like he's going to play a significant role in the passing game. Meaning, you know, I, like I said, I think Henning a natural fit to take over that returner spot. You know, you talk about him showing flashes last year. Uh, I felt, I felt like he moved at a different speed than other Michigan receivers when he did get the opportunity, you know, and I thought he was a guy, I think we talked a lot last year about trying to get him the ball more often than they even were. So punt return, kick return, he could see the ball a lot, right? At least if you're Michigan, you hope you're going to see him a lot on the punt return, maybe not the kick return so much, but um, you know, there's a natural fit there for sure. And, and one that I think there's a really good chance that there's not much of a drop off there from Giles Jackson. I'd argue, I think Henning's more explosive than Giles Jackson. I uh, just, Jackson was very, very good at, just sort of the vision or the, the, just the ability to make plays in those situations. You know, that's something we will have to see with AJ, but uh, you know, overall, just from a pure speed and burner standpoint, uh, I think he has another gear than really almost anybody. Yeah. 10, seven or 10, six, seven hundred meter dash coming out of high school. I mean, that's, he's not the only receiver who can do that. I mean, he's not, He's not going to, he's not like the fastest player in all of college football, but I, I, I would, I would believe he's the fastest scholarship player on, on Michigan's team. And, and if he's not, I mean, he's got to be pretty darn close. Um, I do think Jackson, Giles Jackson was a very uh, natural return man. I mean, he almost struck me as someone who was going to keep returning even as his receiving role expanded had he stayed at Michigan, but um yeah, I like I like Henning in that role. I think he's he's very shifty, has great long speed. Uh, I think he has good quickness as well. Little surprised actually, he didn't get more uh, chances in the return game last season. I mean, Blake Corum was someone who was kind of the number two return man. Like he would return the the kicks that were a little bit shorter. Um, so we'll. We'll continue to, I mean, I guess we'll have to see it's, <laughs> you know, we can tell you he's fast and we can tell you he's explosive, but um, the fact is fans want to see it in games. And I, I certainly, I don't disagree with that. You know, you mentioned that Harbaugh um, has a habit of naming everybody. I actually thought this one, he, 
he scaled it back a little bit. I mean, he, he made it clear who he felt were the, were the for sure starters and, and on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they returned so many starters. It, it wasn't actually that much of a surprise. I mean, you know, you have Aiden Hutchinson, Donovan Jeter, Chris Hinton, Mozzie Smith, you have uh, Brad Hawkins, Dax Hill. You know, he mentioned Jamai Green is kind of the a guaranteed starter, and then it's Vince Gray versus DJ Turner, at least as of right now on the on the other side. Uh, and then you know Mike Barrett, Josh Ross. Sounds like there is an opening for for maybe a th- the third linebacker spot. But regardless, what I thought was very interesting is is when he talked about the offensive line. I don't think there's too much surprise to learn that Ryan Hayes. Andrew Stuber were, were kind of guaranteed starters. I mean, these are guys who have been penciled in as starters for, for a while. Uh, maybe where there was a little bit of surprise is, is rising sophomore Zach Zinter was the third guy he mentioned as, as a starter already. And then a couple returning starters who were not listed in that group of for sure starters were, were Chuck Filiaga and then Andrew Vastardis, two veteran guys, uh, interior linemen. Vastardis, kind, I mean, he was the main center last season. What did you make of that? I, I guess my broad impression is means that there's, there's some real competition. Guys like Trevor Keegan, uh, Zinter, um, you know, the, the, those are guys who are like actually ascending. It's one thing, I mean, every player gets better over the course of the years, but sometimes in my book, when a player passes somebody, that's a sign that they really made some progress. I mean, some real like, like, okay, they might be on track for a very good season type of progress. feel like that's what's happening with Zinter. Um, You know, guys like Trevor Keegan, Carson Barnhart, Trente Jones are starting to make some of the other position spots a little interesting. What was, what was your reaction to the offensive line discussion? And, and, And how does that blending that with, what we've already heard uh, both publicly and behind the scenes kind of your impressions on this offensive line. Cause I, I feel like that has to be read as good news for to Michigan fans for the offensive line. So, yeah. So my biggest takeaway was, yeah, was Zinter's inclusion and that Vistardis was not mentioned as a, as a concrete. I mean, Harbaugh explicitly said those three guys, they consider starters already. Uh, then he talked about the versatility of Stuber and Zinter. I know we talked about it a little bit before the show. To me, it felt like it's heading towards Zinter being Michigan's starting center this year. That's what that was. That's what it felt like to me. Um, there's good depth at those other guard spots, or at least it feels like there's good developing depth, right? Um, Keegan, I feel like is a guy. I was mildly surprised that he wasn't mentioned in the same breath, but I, I I would still be surprised if he didn't start probably at left, the left guard position. Uh, So maybe it's right guard now where the real battle will be. But I think Carson Barnhart being one of the first guys mentioned is a good sign for Michigan also. Cause I think from a strictly from a talent standpoint, I think if you're Michigan, I think if you're starting five from left to right is Hayes, Keegan, Zinter, Barnhart, and Stuber, I think you. I think there's a chance that Michigan has a pretty darn good offensive line this year. That that's my opinion. I, if you're a fan, I think that would be your best case five coming out of fall camp, uh, based on yeah, a lot of lot of high ceiling guys, a lot of guys who showed it on tape, 
right uh coming out of high school i believe all of them would be well i guess stuber wasn't a four-star recruit but we've talked about you know he was probably underrated as a recruit i think so a lot of size a lot of length um and some and a pretty good amount of experience i mean they didn't get a full season last year but i think not a ton of question marks with that line right i think some 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 plus athleticism too. You know, I think Barnhart yeah. and Zinter both on the interior are, are probably plus athletes for those positions. So NFL ceilings. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, and so I think if you're, if you're Michigan, I'm, I'm assuming that's, that's how you prefer that it shakes out. Um, and it does, it speaks in Harbaugh kind of reiterated this speaks to how valuable guys like Stuber and Zinter are where you can kind of, and really, I mean, Barnhart also, I think to an extent, even though he wasn't one of the three guys, um, He's a guy that could play a few different spots up front for sure. I mean, that was the book on him when Michigan first started recruiting him and, and got his commitment was that uh, they loved him because they thought he could be a pro really across the board. So to have that versatility mixed in there with, you know, touted recruits too. Uh, these guys are all pretty highly recruited. Even Stuber, I think had a pretty good offer sheet before he wasn't a four-star, but before he committed to Michigan, he had a pretty good offer sheet. Uh, you know, so yeah, that was the other big thing for me. Uh, it seems like Zinter's trending up as far as Michigan center position goes and that the battles are going to be at those guard spots. You know, and uh, the other thing too, and, and Harbaugh didn't go too in-depth with this, mentioned it last week when Willie Allen transferred out, mm-hmm. is that Jones had an excellent spring ball. So not only is Michigan, does it feel like Michigan has the pieces – to have a good group of five this year, but it feels like the table's being set for them to hand it off to another high level player next season as well at one of the tackle spots. I believe it'll, I believe Jones plays right. Most of the time, I know Michigan thinks he could play either side, but I assume they'd want to probably play him on the right. Uh, But either, either way, you know, combine that with what felt like a different tone from the guys up front who met with the media on the way they talk about Sharon Moore feels like he's a guy they love playing for uh, brings a different kind of uh, angle energy to the group. Uh, it's a spot where you've, I think you feel better than you maybe did coming in uh, for Michigan. So did the spring anyway, I think coming out of spring ball, that might be the one position where I think we thought they'd have a pretty good unit there, but now it's, it really looks like they have a chance to have a, a pretty darn good unit from, from left to right. Yep. And there's definitely some projection with that. I mean, I don't think either of us are like saying with absolute certainty that the group will be good, but, but based on what they looked like as recruits, based on kind of the snippets we saw uh, throughout last season and based on the fact that they're returning so many players, I, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I do feel like Michigan will have one of the better offensive lines in the big 10. Um, I'd have to kind of sit down and see, all the offensive lines and who's coming back to, to like truly rank it. But, but it, it feels like it'll be in the top tier of, of the big 10. Uh, Steve. Hey, hold on. Let's say it this way, just so we don't get the, the hype label attached. Yeah, sure. It would be, it would be disappointing if Michigan did not end this season with one of the better big 10 offensive line units. Yeah. That, better way to put it. You absolve us of re- any responsibility. If that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but that's that's my sense is this if they don't end the season with one of the better offensive line units in the Big Ten, if not one of the top two or three, uh, I think it, I think you could qualify it as a disappointment when you consider talent, experience, 
and depth um, pretty much across the board at every position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think top three or four is kind of, I don't make promises. That's my expectation for the group. That's kind of what I would looking at what they have, looking at what they can be um, the snippets of spring stuff that we've heard. That's my impression. Uh, so anyway, Steve, what else about, I mean, Harbaugh, he, he kinda, as you mentioned, he, he mentioned probably 60 players, but what else? Well, let's, let's go on the defensive side. He seemed really excited about the outside linebacker position. Um, I know Taylor Upshaw, they've, he, he came up with the name, the Reapers. I know Michigan fans hate the nicknames before the games are played, but my, my, my feeling on that is whatever makes it fun for the people actually playing the game. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't know. I had nickname. We had nicknames for our teams growing up and we stunk. <laughs> you know, So it's not like, I don't know. The, there seems to be a group of fans that just want Michigan to never say anything ever unless they win. And that's just, that's a terrible way to go about playing sports. If you're, if you're actually the athlete, now the fans, you know, they don't have to go around bragging about it if they don't want to, but um, seems like a, it seems like a fun change of pace that outside linebacker group, um, you know, here, you sounds like Taylor Upshaw was someone who, Drew a lot of praise, uh, Jalen Harrell. Um, hold on. I could li- literally quote Jim Harbaugh on this if I wanted to. I did type it up. Uh, but but seems like seems like this is the right year to make that switch to that kind of position. Um, in, in my opinion, I, I think just, well, one, they're a little thin at linebacker, so it doesn't hurt to have kind of a stand-up outside linebacker this season. Uh, but two, you see guys like Upshaw, Mike Morris, David Ajabo, you know, Jalen Harrell, maybe even Braden McGregor. I'm not sure how he is in recovering from injury. And then, of course, Aiden Hutchinson, um, who was not listed because he wasn't in scrimmages this season. But but it does seem like this is the right year for Michigan to switch to this style defense. It seems like all those guys I just listed, they're all kind of hitting that this is the year I'm going to contribute type of season. Um, cause you know, a lot of players, I think Ajabo is, is the perfect example. I don't think Michigan ever expected him to be a key contributor freshman or sophomore season, just because of how, how raw he was. I think he'd played what seven games of football by the time he arrived to Michigan's campus. So a lot to learn. And I, I'd, you know, someone like Morris might be kind of in a similar boat where I think they saw him as a, as a multi-year development prospect. And now this is the them reaching that. Uh, that was one thing that stood out to me is was was how quickly he went to that position group. I, I believe he was asked about young players stepping up, and he immediately jumped into that position group. Anything stand out to you about his comments on on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, yeah, it was a little more mundane on the defensive side. I thought most sure. of the bigger takeaways were <laughs> offensively. Yeah, I agree though. It's weird, even. Okay, so there's two, two, uh, two differences you know, with Don Brown departing. The losers of this shift were those like undersized, speed-based linebackers, guys like Mohan who already entered the transfer portal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys who win are the Jalen Harrells, uh, Mike Morris, who I'm really, you know, I think he's a guy that got a lot of a lot of praise 
behind the scenes this spring. And he he's a, a larger edge guy. I mean, he's a big dude. He's a guy I thought would have been in Let's the see, six six. Like two. yeah, he's he's huge. If he he's the kind of guy, I guess, just physically, if that's where they like him, there's gotta be some potential there because he looks like a D end. You know, I thought he he was he was kind of there's a guy in Michigan recruits every couple cycles that everybody says, Oh, you reminds me of Chris Wormley. Uh that was him. Is you know, it's like that looked like a guy who could be like a Chris Wormley type. Now they have him standing up. You know, and even a couple of the guys they signed, like Keyshawn Bennett out of Connecticut is a kid that I think is a tailor made for that edge spot. Uh, Gabe Newberg that Harbaugh mentioned. So, yeah, they 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 weirdly go. They they're maybe a little thin on the inside, right at linebacker. But all of a sudden now they're deep as heck at that edge spot. So and I assume I still got to think even a guy like Morris could put his hand down in certain schemes i just don't think he's gonna be standing up the whole time yeah you mentioned right, McGregor. right. Too, they even mentioned mcgregor who was a top 100 um i know you did i'm just saying i didn't mention him um so yeah that was that was interesting i know uh mozzie smith got a little bit of praise from harbaugh as well uh, you know and uh donovan jeter so chris jenkins is another guy i thought got a little bit of an extended mention i know that's one guy uh, who was rated pretty lowly and is because a guy that Michigan at least not too long ago felt like is eventually going to be a player. And I don't know if that's going to be this year or not, but uh, he's a guy I think they think is going to be good. So, yeah, I mean, defensively, that was really it. The only other thing to me, and maybe we could segue into this was the Dan Valari stuff. Um, mm. That's been the big discussion on our board since the podcast came out this morning is the, and of course it turns into a, you know, they don't know how to utilize their guys. I thought it was not so much Harbaugh saying it's a, a certainty as much as it, to me, it would gave me like a Ben Mason vibe uh, the way he talked about Valari, as far as they really like what he brings to the table and they, they think they can find some ways to utilize him, to help him win games. I did not take it as look for Dan Valari out of the right. bill <laughs> package in game one type type conversation. I thought, so I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, Valari, for fans might not remember was the, the guy Michigan kind of had to roll the dice on real late after JD Johnson was forced to medically retire. They'd already had their 2019 quarterback commit. Johnson had a, a rare heart condition. Won't allow him to play the game of football. Michigan was kind of sitting there with no quarterback. This is the 20 class. Sorry, not 19. Um, you know, they kind of had to fight like scramble to find a quarterback uh, in that class. Cause it was like at the very last minute and they took a shot on Valari who, like I said, we knew it would be a project, but fascinating to think that Harbaugh thinks he's a guy. And again, we may never see it, but just the fact they think he's a guy that can help them in some certain ways, that's, I take that as a positive. Now they got to utilize, if they do utilize them, they got to do it properly. And that's a whole different discussion. But, you know, for him to say he thinks they can help, that he can help them out, I think is, that means you're at least getting something out of him. He's doing something positive. So, you know, definitely not the number one or two guy in the depth chart at quarterback. He'll probably be fourth after Alan Bowman. Uh, gets to campus right so mm -hmm. you know if, if for him to maybe work himself into a way to, to help the team I think that's a win if you're Michigan it's just a matter of like I said did they do it properly and, and again that can be a totally different discussion that we can have later but uh, that was the other thing that kind of stood out to me yeah Re uh, regarding Bowman Harbaugh's due to NCAA rules was not allowed to comment about him yet I think he has to graduate from Texas Tech and then sign his letter of intent with Michigan first um, 
Yeah, it, it certainly is interesting. I, I think when you watch his high school tape, that was kind of my thought with Dan Valerius. I'm like, well, he's not going to like sling it over, you know, coverage defenses in the big 10, but, but um, he's, he's a tough runner. He can, he can throw enough to like be interesting. I actually do kind of agree with the fans on this one where I don't think Michigan needs any more specialty packages. I, I think that actually hurts them. Um, and you know, when they, there's like a special, if like, think about like Eddie McDoom, it was like, you, you saw him enter the field. And I think Michigan's opponents knew exactly what was coming. Um, you know, the Giles Jackson and the running back set definitely worked a good amount, but, but did seem, seemed like teams were able to sniff that out. Jabril Peppers from the wildcat position. You know, I would, I, you know, taste, taste some Hill can be used really well. I mean, he obviously helps the saints a lot, but I, I, that didn't do as much for me as I think it might've for, for you in the sense of like, Hey, no, I'm I, with I, you. I don't know if he'll play. Right. And that's, that's where I'm kind of like, okay, is this just Jim Harbaugh saying something nice or you know, to, to make sure he says something nice about someone who doesn't get talked about a lot or, or is this actually something Um thought it was a little funny he said for those who saw the spring game ah, no okay yeah that, that was, like, I, was cool. almost, I was almost gonna mention that that was funny that uh yeah that comment actually stood up my ears perked up a little bit when I saw that I'm like well so nobody right like Dan yeah, Valeri's par- parents saw him play well or something but was, um we can't go down that road again no 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 but yeah. like no I mean I wasn't I wasn't uh it didn't like like I said it, you, we could it could turn into a discussion if, if it'd be utilized properly, which I, again, I think like you said, that's where I, I, it's not like I don't lean that way with you as, as far as that goes, or if they even need it, uh, it was more about just, he's a guy I think most fans would have had as like an afterthought or a guy you don't think much of, mm-hmm. but it feels like they're, he's, he's at least he's helping them out in some way. I, I always look at that as a win, you know, and if, if they, if they find a way to utilize them and they do it properly, I mean, it, you know, it wouldn't hurt. I agree. You know, like I said, you talk about the predictability of pass package situations. Uh, I don't think you'd find anybody to disagree with you there. So, but if he's a, a, you know, Taysom Hill's even more unique than like a Eddie McDoom or a, or how they yes. use Jackson yep. and stuff. There are a lot of different ways for a guy who can actually throw a football accurately uh, that you can use in certain packages. So, you know, I thought it was interesting. Like I said, yeah, I don't, who knows if anything will come out of it, but yeah, Dan Valari, not a guy we thought we'd hear much, if anything, about, you know, just based on the McCarthy hype and, and McNamara seizing that number one spot this spring, you know, but but just kind of interesting to see that he's he's contributing and doing maybe working his way into some kind of role. Yep. Michigan could use it. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, you saw last season quarterback injuries happen, and sometimes they happen twice, and sometimes they happen three times. So it's cer- certainly – uh, you know, even if he's not ever going to be on any NFL draft boards, I mean, if he's someone that can move the offense and uh, you know, that's, that's, that's key. That's key for Michigan to have just because there's so much uncertainty with injuries and transfer. And I'm not hinting at a transfer, by the way, uh, injuries, trans, you know, it, your quarterback room more so than ever has to be three, four deep, uh, for, for your team to be to feel really good about your success. I mean, some, some teams do get lucky and they have a quarterback healthy all 13 games. 
the statistics say that is kind of rare these days. Anyways, um, anything else stand out to you about, about what Jim Harbaugh said? Not, no, nah, not really. Like I said, a lot of it, like we talked about the, he did talk about DJ Turner. Like you, I think you had mentioned that DJ yep. Turner and, and uh, Vince Gray going for that second cornerback spot. Um, you know, but I think we all kind of, I think we felt that's kind of where it was at anyway. Mm-hmm. Safety talk was just Dax Hill and then listing everybody. Um, <laughs> well, it was, I mean, he, 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 I think he literally, you know, running back pretty, pretty uh, set pecking order there. You know, he like, he talked a lot about both Donovan Edwards and uh, Dunlap. So I think obviously they, they have to feel good about that, but uh, and even the quarterback discussion, pretty mundane, you know, I think we know that Cade, it looks like Cade's their guy right now and that uh, they feel good about McCarthy's future, but that McNamara definitely took control in the spring and, and is definitely the starter heading into fall camp. It, it definitely feels like other than now, part of it is they're returning 16 starters or 16 primary starters. But I guess if I were to think of like one broad takeaway, it would be, well, Michigan's already, already knows they're starting 22, basically. Um, that can be a good thing. can be a bad thing. I would just say that's just what they know. I don't think it means anything, uh, but, but it, it is interesting. You know, some years I could do, like list the position battles and I could list like 15, uh, you know, in terms of the two deep. And and right now I don't know if I could, I think it'd be cornerback, the guard position that we mentioned, the third linebacker spot, maybe a third defensive line spot. Is there any other position? <laughs> I, 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 everything else just seems like it's already, already kind of naturally fallen into place. So I don't disagree. Um, he, I mean, yeah, I mean, receiver, he gave the top three, you know, it's yeah. uh, Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell and, and Sainer still. I think he did mention which one guy was, I was interested to hear about. And I, I did hear he had been a little banged up was Roman Wilson and uh, mm. fought. He said some soft tissue stuff. So, you know, I still think receivers a spot where they're quietly, if Henning and Wilson are your fourth and fifth guys, I think you got some potential there. Um, Johnson and Bell had good seasons. Right, right. I mean, this is not to throw Nico Collins under the bus, but I think both of them had more 100-yard games last season than Nico Collins had his entire career. And that's with a shaky quarterback situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, now, they were in a lot of passing situations. You know, there weren't a lot of games where they were blowing people out and running the clock out but but still I mean I thought I thought Cornelius Johnson took a step forward yeah I I, I'm not quite as down on the offense as as many are as as fans that I talk to seem to be uh same time if you want to wait until they show it on the field that's fine uh (laughs) speaking of showing it on the field we're gonna hit a quick break on the other side we'll talk about Michigan's NFL draft storylines we'll go through different players uh do some do a little bit of over-unders talk about who we think is going to outdo their their draft slot who might who might be a surprise surprisingly high pick on draft day we'll talk about all that in just a moment this is the Wolverine 24 7 podcast this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. So today, the, the day that we're recording today is Thursday. Uh, I really only expect one player to be drafted from Michigan today, and that would be Quiddy Pay. But the next Friday and Saturday, I think there's a lot of different names that could be called. I've done um, previews on on all of them, looking at their their time at Michigan, their pro day numbers, what scouts think of them in terms of strengths and weaknesses, what the projections say. Um, you know, even some fun facts about, about either their journey to the draft or, or their background. Um, so there's Quiddy Pay, there's Camber Grown, there's Ambry Thomas, there's Nico Collins, uh, there is Carlo Kemp, Ben Mason, Cameron Cheeseman, Quinn Nordeen, Chris Evans. If I am missing a name, I'll probably <laughs> say it in just a moment. So, Steve, do you have the over-unders ready? Ish. Yeah, we're kind of ballparking it, so. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're, these aren't scientific or anything, yep. um, but just kind of general. So, what's, what's, what should the over-under be for Quiddy Pay? Like 13, 14? Feels like, yeah. The And, again, I mean, there, there haven't been enough mock drafts released for us to really get a feel for where these guys might go. That's sarcastic by the way, um, <laughs> you know, people kind of jest with us about some of the repetitive type things that we have to cover. So I think the mock draft thing is the most overblown uh, chunk of analysis in sports. Uh, it's insane how many of these things get released, but people always read them for some reason. But uh, but it feels like Quiddy Pay is actually trending up again a little bit. feels yeah. like he's fluctuated a little bit throughout the process. He was sort of in that, 15 to 17 range for a while then we saw some mocks that had him going like mid-20s or whatever well now he's like it looks like he's surging way back up I've seen the Giants at 12 or the Eagles at 13 possibly being a landing spot for him so yeah I would I would take the I think he's going to go before that I think it'll be what is it is under mean before or over before in this under can mean before okay so I'm going to go with the under on that one I think he goes Feels under like he's on like 14.5. Yeah. I think he's becoming a hot name again. I think one of those NFC East teams is going to take him. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd take the under on 14.5 as, as well. I mean, there's obviously the, the big question with him is that, well, he, he didn't have, I mean, I think he has what 11 and a half career sacks. Um, that's, that's a lower amount, but if you watch the games and watch the film, he was making a huge impact when he was on the field for Michigan last season. Really, uh, it, it almost was reminiscent. Now, I know the numbers weren't there, but it was almost reminiscent of Brandon Graham being on some pitiful Michigan defenses a decade ago. and But being like just such a force that he was almost creating a sack by, completely by himself and, and things like that. Um, plus, Pay, I mean, pass, has to pass every interview character background test that teams might do. I mean, he's such a, um, well, he's a great human being. I, I think he's, you know, he's an easy person 
to root for in life. Um, his background is, is at this point is well documented, but also like in interviews and, you know, at community service events. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of the complete package in terms of uh, what teams are looking for in, in a, I would say a mid first round draft pick plus uh, 4.52 40 yard dash 36 repetitions on the bench press and a, a rumored 6.13 second three cone drill that he did last year. You can probably count on one hand football players in the past in the 21st century who could do all three of those things. So plenty of intrigue. Uh, there are some questions and, and his technique will have to improve at the next level, but, but yeah, I think he gets drafted in the top 15. I think the next one, if I'm guessing here would be Jalen Mayfield, who I think was the guy I forgot to mention a moment ago, offensive lineman at one point was discussed as a, as a first round pick, maybe this time a year ago. I don't think he's being discussed as a first round pick very much right now. Uh, obviously similar to pay was kind of limited in what he could do last season due to injury did not have the best pro day, but what is, and also doesn't have a ton of experience. I think he has 15 starts in his career, which is not a lot for an offensive lineman. Steve, what, what, what's the over under set in your mind? And, and do you think he will be over or under? So yeah, Jalen probably on an opposite trajectory of Quiddy pay, right? Feels like he's been, cause he was a pretty much a lock first round really early on the mocks. I think you mentioned the pro day. I think that's really what ended up hurting him was his pro day performance. Yeah. I uh, think there was a 5.36 40 yard dash, which yeah. I don't think teams are like dying to see what offensive linemen's 40 yard dashes are. I mean, how often will an offensive lineman have to run 40 yards, but, but you know, the, the, the broad jump, the, I mean, it really, I think pretty much every drill he was, he was below average even for his size and position. And so, um, which is, I mean, part of why he was projected to be a first round pick was that he was supposed to be like an all time combine guy. Right. So I don't know if he had some injuries or, or what, but. Well, you got to think if he was injured, he wouldn't have even participated. Right. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense to put your draft stock on the line. That seems to be 100%. the trend these days. Right. So I was like thinking mid-second round, right? So somewhere in the 50s. Like, how about how about we do 50? Yeah, 50 is fine. Um, I'll say slightly over. I I can't remember. I don't, you know, obviously I don't have the needs of all 32 NFL teams off the top of my head. Um, but I, I feel like there has been a little bit of a slide here for a while. I'll go over on the 50. I think he falls somewhere in the mid to back half of the second round. I'm gonna go over as as well. I think one thing that might be underrated is, is Michigan's linemen do seem to get drafted. I think Mason Cole was maybe the one exception. Uh, Michigan's offensive linemen do seem to get drafted higher than they're forecasted to. I, I think there's a lot. I think NFL teams give a lot of credence to Michigan's recommendations on offensive linemen. So if it's a guy Michigan is – Michigan really believes in, I, I think, and you look at the caliber of teams that are drafting uh, Michigan offensive linemen as well. I, I think I could see someone biting, but, but I, I think if I'm playing the odds, I think I'd go with 
over 50 uh, for Jalen Mayfield, but um, still a nice payday for him. I know he's one of the two that, that left early. The other guy that left early, Cam McGrone, is who we'll discuss next. Um, speedy linebacker could not participate in the pro day due to a torn ACL. Um, similar to Jalen Mayfield, not a lot of starts and games under his belt. He was really productive as a redshirt freshman in 2019. Uh, it's kind of productive last fall before his injury. I think 26 tackles in four and a half games, but but didn't seem to seem to get lost a little bit in in some of these some of the plays. I mean, just seemed to be um, seemed to struggle to get the tackles for loss and struggled to get the sacks. Now uh, didn't have the same kind of defense around him, but, but still seemed like he, he's another guy. I don't know what his draft stock would have been this time a year ago. It might be the same, but he did not, the past 12 months have not helped him. And then obviously uh, no, no 40 time to attach to his reputation as a very speedy linebacker. I think it's a, he's, he might be the hardest prospect to predict coming out of Michigan in this draft. I mean, I have seen some talk of him as a top 60, you know, second round type of pick. And I've seen some talk of him as a fifth round pick. So Steve, I don't know where you want to set the over under, but, but what, what are your thoughts here? By far the hardest guy to predict in this class um, productive, but I thought incredibly inconsistent too. Um. Very athletic. So there is a, definitely a ceiling there. That's always been his calling card. Very good athlete. He is a guy, I think, if he finds his way on the right roster, will have a better pro career than he did mm-hmm. college career, right? I think with McGrone, I think that's the hope. But also, yeah, coming off of a serious injury too. So a second torn ACL, not on the same knee, but a second torn ACL in his career as well. Right. Um, which – torn ACL, not the death blow that it used to be right for, for athletes. It feels like it's, you know, I mean, Jake, Butt had, has gone through how many and he's still is either in the league or just or on a practice squad. I mean, he's still in, he's still able to play football, but either way, just hard to project on that stuff. There's so many unknowns with him, you know, I'll take, I'm going to go over slightly somewhere in the probably like late third early fourth round so if we set the over under at 100 over i think okay i that that's kind of the number i was i was thinking for an over under i i would go over on it as well um and this is this is a bummer i don't mean to say this is the way things should be but but because teams can't do in-person medical evaluations and in-person assessments this year there's been a lot of chatter and, and McGrone wasn't mentioned in these stories, but there's been a lot of chatter about guys who might fall just because teams aren't able to kind of conduct their own tests. I think a great example is, um, you know, the Brooklyn Nets drafting Karis LeVert a few years ago. A lot of teams weren't going to touch Karis LeVert, but obviously the Nets, there's also some, some good fortune for Michigan that, that uh, the Nets, doctor surgeon like their go-to guy had previously operated on on Levert but still their comfort they kind of got to see it for their own eyes see see Levert's situation for themselves that would be something that would have helped McGrone I think I think if 
if someone had been able to kind of gauge their own medical tests, you know, have their own doctors look at it, um, look at him, I should say. Uh, so I'm going to say over, I don't think his junior or redshirt sophomore season helped him very much. I think if anything, it actually kind of cooled his, his draft stock. So, uh, but I do think if he lands on a, would we, would we say on a team real quick, most peculiar declaration of the guys that did to you? Well, only two guys left early. Um, but if, if you're actually, actually, I think you could expand it for a few years. Well, cause technically anybody could come back though with the, and I'm not saying anybody yeah. that did, I'm not saying anybody that left should have, or the so guys who were eligible. Sense, he is, uh, I think pretty much everyone else had a degree already. Right. So that's my, my, my thought is if you get a college degree, no one should ever think less of you for going pro after that. So, um, but yeah, McGrone, you know, even expanding for, for a few years, I think one of the, one of the more bet on yourself draft declarations that, that Michigan has, has seen um, just because I don't think he'll be drafted in the top 100. I, I don't think he's a guarantee to, you know, be viewed as a starter by whatever team drafts him. So he's going to have to, it's going to be an uphill climb, but, but my belief is go, go when you want. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Speaking of another guy, you mentioned McGrone as someone who could have a better NFL career than, than college career, or at least more expansive. Uh, I think the, the king of that is Nico Collins. I'm going to set the over under at 71.5. Collins really fast for his size, great size, uh, good hands, wins a lot of 50-50 balls. I think the drawbacks to him is he's going to be an interesting case study in opting out of a season. Uh, I think also scouts have pointed out as they've watched more and more film, it's great that he wins the 50-50 balls, but he's probably someone with his speed and size that he probably shouldn't have as many 50-50 balls, period. Like like creating separation, I think, is is one issue, especially in shorter and mid-range routes. Um, so there's certainly some ups and downs, but but another guy who was kind of getting first round chatter, who who is not getting that after opting out of the season. I'll set the over under at seventy one point five. Do you think he gets drafted sooner or or later in that sense? That's a tough. That's what. That's somewhere in the third round, the early third. Yeah, early third round. Hmm. I'll say over, but just slightly though. And I agree. Here's the things like, this is my thought about Nico Collins. His statistics in 19 would have been way more impressive if he had been hit the multiple times that he was open deep. Yes, I agree with that. And so I always, what I always wonder with stuff like that is, I and I got to think at at this point, with all the ability that these NFL teams have to evaluate that they know that, you know, and that you could almost like, you could ignore his raw statistics from 2019 and think this is a guy that for all intents and purposes should have had a better statistical season. And the reason he didn't was out of his hands. 
So that's one of the reasons why I think he's going to be, I, I expect him to have a good NFL career. I think, you know, Michigan season fell apart so horribly across the board last year that I don't think him being on the field would have made as great as a player as he was or turned out to be. I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. Right. I mean, I don't know if him playing is the difference between two and four and four and two. Oh, I agree. I think no, no. where NFL teams are looking though, real quick is, is all these players who opted out were asked about it. And we'll talk about one guy who I think had a, had a pretty good answer. Uh, Nico Collins was kind of like, I didn't want to get hurt. Sure. You know, he wasn't in that's That's fair. I, it's, again, yeah, I'm, I I'm a big believer in making your own decisions, but I can see where an NFL team's kind of like, wouldn't you want to play with your team? Wouldn't you want to be a senior, right. be a captain, be a leader? I don't know. Maybe NFL teams are fine with it. We'll find out this week uh, with a lot of different players, but Didn't, I don't know if he answered that question as well as people were hoping he would. Sure. I still, I mean, I'm going over anyway, so it's not like I'm, I, if maybe that is the reason he'd fall. I, I But he's one of two guys being that will be drafted for Michigan this year that I feel pretty confident will outdo their draft ranking. So, um, mm-hmm. Because you talk about separation, particularly deep, that, that that wasn't a problem. And that's really, you talk about larger, big-bodied receivers, that's usually the one thing is no ability to get separation deep. I mean, only the elite ones can do that. Um, and at least at the college level, like I said, it felt like he did that a lot. Uh, he just was never, the ball was never in his hands uh, when he did that. So, I think he's like, yeah, like I'm really fascinated to see he's uh, I would say Nico's the one guy that I'm kind of looking at wondering maybe if the lions could look at uh, in the third round as a possibility. I think that would be a good fit for them if they don't take a guy in the first round, you know, we don't know what the lines are going to do, but uh, right. if, they, if they don't take a receiver in the first round, uh, he's the type of guy I would, I, if he's available in the third that I would, I would look at taking if I were them. So I'm actually going to go under on Collins. I, I think he will be drafted before 71.5. I mean, I made that number up kind of thinking where my guess would be. So clearly I'm not thinking of too much deviation, but I, I think he's someone that strikes me as, uh, I think a team's going to really like him. I think there, you know, it might not be every team. It might not be, you know, the whole league is clamoring for him in the second round, but I think there, there could be a team there that's thinking like, you know, there's a lot of untapped potential here. This is someone, and he's got size. This draft class has a lot of really good receivers, but I, I kind of, I could see him as someone who, who climbs a little bit, um, not into the first round, but but as a late second rounder. And as you mentioned, I mean, a lot of it's just there. There aren't a lot of six four receivers who run as fast as he does, jump as high as he does, you know, have the wingspan he does. So. Um, you know, really good catch radius. And I mentioned he didn't answer the question maybe as well as he could have, but, but at the same time, he, he, he produced, uh, his, his sophomore and junior season. I mean, they didn't throw to him a ton, but he was very efficient. You know, I think he's someone that they going to the next level. I don't think there'll be quite as, I don't think there'll be this huge drop off in his game. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, but um, to me, once he verified his, what I felt was pretty good s- speed for his size, once he verified that at the 
at Michigan's pro day, that's kind of when I was like, yeah, I could see, I could see a team or two really liking him as a second round prospect. All right. Last over under, and then we'll kind of talk about the rest of the guys in, in as a group. Um, Ambry Thomas, another, sorry to sound like a broken record here. Another guy who probably was kind of sniffing around that top 50 uh, this time a year ago, opted out of the season. He mentioned, you know, I mean, he had colitis, he was at risk and, and he did have his degree. Um, so again, you know, it was kind of a, when he didn't know there was a season, it's kind of like, well, am I really going to do a semester of graduate school that I don't really need to do risk my health and maybe there'll be a season. I, I, I kind of, I, I think I justify his decision to opt out a little bit more than I do Nico Collins. Maybe that's just me. Um, very good corner in his one season as a starter, like Mayfield and McGrone teams are basically going off of one season as a starter for these prospects. I'll set the over under. I'm kind of looking around. I actually think that the projections have been a little bit lower for him. So maybe uh, I'm trying to, if you have one in mind, feel free, Steve, but I'm thinking maybe in like, like 85.5 as the over under, is that, is that fair for what projections have said about him? I, I feel like that... a lot of them are a little bit lower than that. Like probably somewhere like in the early one hundreds. Okay. Do you want to just do 100 and see? Yeah, I would still take the over there. Not be in, okay. I I feel like Ambry's going to end up being like a Jordan Lewis. I think he's going to play in the league. Don't know what his ceiling is. Um, I I know of all the guys. You know, Detroit's had a lot of back defensive backs come through. I know it's weird. It's like I always go back and listen to what like the high school coaches and stuff would says. Like I always know that they always felt like Ambry Thomas had the highest ceiling of any of those yeah, guys. That was said a lot. Yeah. Right. And uh, that's the thing with college NFL. It doesn't always, I mean, that's say that being said, like Ambry Thomas was an excellent, excellent player for Michigan. Uh, not don't mean this negatively at all, but it doesn't always a guy with a high ceiling, maybe doesn't always hit his ceiling at the college level. Right. So I look at Thomas as maybe a safer version of what we just talked about with McGrone, as far as being a guy who has a really high ceiling and has a lot of potential in the NFL level, just has to get there you know, find the right roster to get on right coaching, maybe the right scheme, you know, but I, I think I'm still going to take the over. I just think there are a lot of unknowns out there with him. Uh, you know, I think, I think probably, yeah, somewhere in the late, late, late third, somewhere in the fourth round, I would bet he gets picked in the fourth round. If I had to guess that's, that's sort of my, my ballpark estimate of where he'll be picked. Okay. If the over under set at a hundred, I'm going to take the under I I'm sold on Ambry Thomas. I, I don't, maybe I'm alone. <laughs> maybe NFL teams don't agree. I think he's a, he can be a real player in the NFL. You, know, you mentioned Jordan Lewis. I, I think he could be better than Jordan Lewis. Um, you know, his 40 time was, was better. His, uh, his on-field production was not better, but, but Jordan Lewis um, played his senior season you know, was part of a really strong defense overall that, that kind of helped him out a little bit. I think Thomas is someone, if he had played for Michigan last season, I actually do think Michigan's record would have been different. Um, personally, I mean, one player doesn't make that a huge part, difference. I agree. But, they'd have beaten Michigan State. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I think they would have uh, done come pretty darn close to beating Indiana. Just, just having Thomas out there to, to add some stability to the secondary uh, plus like some actual, like really top 100 NFL draft pick level play. But I think he's someone, I mean, if he's not, if he's not drafted in the first three rounds, I think he'll actually be the one out of all of these players to outdo his draft slot in the NFL. I'm, I'm very sold on him. I know a few scouts are very sold on, on, on his coverage abilities. Um, I think the questions are more medical, not a lot of film, not a lot of proof. And, and that's fair. I mean, teams will draft based on a variety of factors, but I still think, I think, I think a team will pay, take him higher than a hundredth, just my guess or my, my prediction. Um, and then I think he will be the one to outdo it. So anyway, the rest of the draftees, I think the other players who are in the mix to be drafted are running back Chris Evans, uh, fullback Ben Mason, um, you know, Quinn Nordine, Cam Cheeseman. I'm thinking probably not, but but they could be if a team views them as as the top kicker punter, defensive tackle, Carlo Kemp. I believe am I missing one? Eubanks. Nick Eubanks, yes. Okay, so I think the top three of that group are Eubanks, Evans, Mason. Of those three, which one do you think will be drafted first? And which one do you think will, let's say, make an NFL too deep first? So I guess when I look at this question, I... I, I kind of feel like uh, ben, you know Ben Mason will end up being drafted first. I mean Chris Evans, I think he could. There are some projections out there that see him as a fourth round prospect, but I, I think Mason is going to have the coaching recommendation from Michigan's coaches. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's made that clear, you know, throughout the last four years. But then I also think assistant coaches as well. Plus, he can play special teams um, and really really make an impact. It almost reminds me of Jordan Glasgow. Now Glasgow was a former walk-on Ben Mason was not, but, but in terms of fullbacks aren't drafted a ton, but I think Mason's acrobatic athleticism, he actually had a pretty good pro day. And then the fact that he can play special teams, I I think he's, I'm pretty confident he'll be drafted. I don't know if he'll be drafted before Evans, but if I'm asked to predict, because Evans also had a pretty good pro day. If I'm asked to predict, I'd, I'd probably go with Mason. So, yeah, Steve, your thoughts? Evans, Mason, Eubanks, who gets drafted first, and maybe who cracks a two deep first in the NFL? Oh, the last one's tough. I mean, wouldn't Mason almost by default if he gets drafted? Yeah. Because he plays a <laughs> scarce position, right? No, yeah, but, that's but, kind of what I was thinking. But to answer it seriously, though, I, I, I just think that Chris Evans is going gonna, is gonna to do something in the NFL. I think he's got a really good skill set. I think as a guy, in some ways, I just, I don't know. And we could, it almost goes back to the Valari talk. I just don't know if Michigan ever really utilized Chris Evans to his full ability. You know, I, the guys can split out. He could actually literally play wide out for you, uh, at least in the slot. You're not going to put him out wide, or at least I don't, I wouldn't anticipate it. But you can put him in the slot. I think he's a, I think he's great in the screen game. I think he's a good, I think he's a good between, he can be a good outside off the tackle 
running back. I think he shows excellent balance. Uh, you know, not a guarantee. I, I just, I have a feeling that Chris Evans is going to play some quality football in the NFL. Um, just a hunch maybe. Yeah. Mason is a guy, I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes because will it be a team? Be like, if anybody's going to get a good word from a uh, good, like recommendation from Jim Harbaugh, it's going to be Ben Mason uh, just for team player, leader, effort, physical. Again, that's another area where I think NFL team that you can find your way into an NFL roster. And it's not like he's not athletic. We've seen his the leap a few years ago. We saw that the touchdown he scored against Mar- uh, against Minnesota in the season opener. I mean, the, he's not just a a bruiser necessarily. I mean, he can he can do things. So I think he's going to find a role as well. Eubanks is kind of the guy I'm most interested in of anybody. I'm really interested to see a if he's drafted and b just how his career pans out. I, you know, another guy that it never really fully came to fruition at Michigan might be a good litmus test to know was it him or was it stuff that was out of his control? You know, poor quarterback play quarterbacks only making their first or second reads, you know, that type of stuff. So, you know, Nick is a guy I'm really interested to see where that one goes, but the guy I have the best feeling about is Chris Evans. Uh, I do think Mason will be a quality football player as well. And then uh, the special teams guys, I just, I don't, has a long snap ever been drafted? Might be a dumb question. Yeah, yeah. I think there's been five drafted in the last five years. Okay, so I mean, maybe he, maybe you know, I don't know what analytics as far as in outside of like average snap time, probably. Um, so he must be good in that. But um, either way, so in doing in doing the stories this week, I, I learned Cheeseman is is viewed as kind of like the fourth best long snapper. So I wouldn't expect him to be drafted. Tommy Fletcher from Alabama might be a guy who gets who well, gets Alabama picked. even has the best long snapper in the country too, huh? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Nordine, I, I think, I think teams will, I think he'll actually stick somewhere um, at least as a, as a rookie does, but um, I don't think a team will draft him just because there is some up and downs. I mean, think about this. He ended his career missing three field goals in one game in a, in a game, Michigan badly needed field goals. So there were ups. There were also downs. Um, you know, Kemp, I, I don't think he'll get drafted. Uh, he did not have a, a great pro day. I don't think, I don't think he's viewed as, 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 as explosive enough athlete, but he is very smart to your captain um, has some NFL ties. His uncles are the Pagano brothers. So um, I think he'll get, an NFL shot. I, but I, I wouldn't expect him to be drafted. Eubanks. Yeah. I'm very curious. I I don't, I don't know what teams think of his athletic profile. Um, There's a lot of intrigue just because he, he was productive. And and I think the one thing that stands out to me about him is he really seemed to earn the trust of like three or four different quarterbacks in his time at Michigan. And, and to me, that's someone who I don't know if it affects their draft stock, but it does affect whether they make it on a roster. I mean, that's someone who's reliable, who's, who's consistent, who, um, who finds a way to deliver, even if, um, even if the, you know, the route isn't good or, or it's well covered or whatever, finds a way to, to get, it, it kind of reminds me of Ronnie Bell 
I mean, the fact that every quarterback that's come through Michigan the past two years just seems to love throwing to Ronnie Bell. It's like, okay, well, clearly uh, he, he has that ability to gain trust. So, um, yeah, I, was, I think the question is really Mason versus Evans. Evans probably better athletic profile. Mason has done a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know how NFL teams are going to view Evans last two seasons. I think someone outlined it. He only has 25 carries in the last two years or since 2018. And so on, on one hand, that's, you know, a low mileage car. It's, it's got, there's been, I think even Jay Harbaugh's reference NFL teams view running backs kind of as cars and, and the amount of carries that they have is kind of the mileage they have. Uh, same time. That's not a lot of recent film. And he had a great freshman year. And then every year since then, his yards per carry have declined. So upside, but uncertainty as well. Anyway, uh, those were those were our thoughts on Michigan's draft prospects. I believe we talked about everyone. So we'll have to see how it goes. It, it sounds like it will be another productive NFL draft for Michigan. I, I would argue on the recruiting trail. Steve, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think the number one thing they can sell is is they can get you to the league if you are productive and and kind of do the work and and ascend up the depth chart. Um, if they had seven players drafted, I believe that would be 35 players drafted under Jim Harbaugh, uh, which is which would be a top five number nationally. So we'll see how it goes, but it does seem. I mean. <laughs> Kind of like the Lions, this is their Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe this is Michigan's, um, you know, run at a Big Ten title. Ohio, Ohio State's producing more draft picks, but but really no one else in the Big Ten is close to what Michigan's been able to do in the last five, six years. So the the part about this year's draft is that it's it's a lot of guys who didn't play very much for Michigan last season. Uh, Quiddy Pay missed a couple games due to injury. Cam McGrone, Jalen Mayfield missed a few games to injury. Ambry Thomas, Nico Collins did not play. Uh, Chris Evans did not play in 2019 and was kind of struggled to make it without a spring ball, struggled to make it back into the depth chart in, in 2020. So <laughs> Cam Cheeseman opted out even. So it's it's kind of a um, <laughs> kind of a weird draft year because a lot of guys who probably could have helped Michigan last season if, if they were healthy or playing, but regardless, uh, we'll see where they all go. Any final thoughts on any of these players, Steve, I know you covered a lot of them as recruits. Um, obviously we covered them while they were at Michigan. Any, any parting, parting thoughts here? Uh, really happy for Quiddy pay. I think he's a good representation. He's a good representation of the program, the university for Michigan. I think it's going to be really cool to see him as the lowest is the lowest ranked recruit. In so that 17 class besides 26 out of 30, actually, I think Ben Mason was actually rated lower than him. Um, plus Will Hart. I looked it up the other day. I think there were three guys rated lower than him. Okay. I'm actually trying to get it myself. Either way, really, um, well, he was the lowest ranked of that seven-man yes. <laughs> defensive line class mm -hmm. uh, that has been a total bust outside of him. And, uh, you know, just like I said, 
great rep for the university and the program, just a good dude all around. Uh, all these, I'm trying to think with, with all these guys, uh, Ambry, great kid to cover. Nick was always really good guy to cover too. when he was being recruited, loved what, yeah. Ambry loved watching Ambry come up, you know, as we'd go to cover Jordan Lewis and some of the other guys, you know, Ambry was always a, a really exciting player to watch. So, yeah, I always like the draft. It's it's especially now because yeah, like you said, I've I've covered a lot of these guys when they were in high school. It's really neat to see, you know, the, that dream that they when you talk to them when they're like 16, 17 years old, uh, kind of come to fruition. You know, I think it's, it gets never gets old to see that happen. So, you know, now it actually gives me a reason to watch the draft <laughs> as well uh, to see those names get called and stuff. So, that's what I'll be looking for this weekend. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on on pay. I mean, I'm really glad his, you know, I think those of us who covered Michigan or followed Michigan knew his story for a few years, but uh, really cool to see, you know, all these feature stories or these like documentary style videos um, documenting what is what is probably one of the more incredible stories of the draft. I know, I know the draft kind of got made fun of last year for, um, bringing up every player's sob story, you know, when they got picked, but, but, um, you know, his is one of, of family of perseverance. And, and um, I always I mean, there's a lot to be said. This isn't the only thing to be said, but one thing that stood out to me kind of reading his quotes is, is um, I mean, just the humility that he has gone about with everything and the, the, um, I don't want to say like the appreciation because obviously it's all very fun and enjoyable, but I think he's someone that, that deserves that really, really um, deserves and everything. And obviously uh, his mother Agnes as well for everything she's been through. I mean, this is, I, I hope for them that this is one of the best weekends of their lives because I think it's, it's, there was a lot of hard work that went into that both off the field and then for Quiddy pay literally on the field, as you mentioned, uh, not a highly rated recruit, but past everybody on the depth chart. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably the the best story. And then, then obviously, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of guys realizing their dreams. I, I a lot of them arrived to campus. I mean, you, you just never know what a player is going to become. And so, uh, for Michigan, these seven or eight, however many end up getting drafted, uh, this is this is their moment. So it. For those who want to watch it, it should be fun to watch. I, I really enjoyed the draft coverage last season. I know people enjoyed the work we did over at 24-7 Sports and the MichiganInsider.com, so hopefully stay tuned for that. Next week, we'll have podcasts on, well, maybe a potential basketball transfer edition, uh, obviously some recruiting, and then whatever news comes up between now and then. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.